Page see all of you tonight appreciate all of you being here let's go to the lord in prayer and ask god's blessings on this service brother leo gertz you open us in prayer Amen. You can be seated tonight. It is good to have Nicole and girls with us tonight. All oh, they grew up in this church and known them for years, known them when they was born. So it's good to have them with us tonight.
Well, I'm glad to see what they've done with their lives. Amen. Singing for the, for Jesus. Amen. It's good to have Brother Eli with us. You make your way on up here uh, tonight. I told him, I said, well, if they're going to sing, you're going to have to preach. We're twins. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to y'all. So I'm loud in case you haven't realized that by now. I know Brother Vickers knows. I'm just a loud person. Um, so while I'm getting the mic on, Pastor Dell came to me after service and asked what kind of Bible I toted. I was like, man, I'm getting a Bible. And then he asked me to preach. So now I'm really scared. Um, <laughs> uh, needless to say, I'm blessed. <clears throat> Only God can do what God does. We all know that. <laughs> I would have been perfectly content listening to them sing. It's nice to just be able to sit back and look at what God's given you and, and see what he does with them. Normally I go up there and sing with them, but I wanted you to have us back. So I decided I'd just stay over there and not uh, hinder the service. Amen. But uh, I really appreciated the message this morning and we were going home. <laughs> Actually, we were walking out of the building. I don't even think we made it out. And Nicole kind of looked at me. She's like, what are you going to preach? I was like, I'm preaching the same message he preached. Amen. But that's not what the Lord gave me. Um, we're going to be in the book of Genesis. I love the Old Testament because I believe in the Old Testament. The New Testament is contained. There's so much that relates over. And I'm currently studying in Psalms. But this is what the Lord gave me. There's a lot that's going on in our day and age. And, and I want to preach on a very, very simple topic and thought. And it's success through adversity. Everybody sitting here, if not right this second, I know for a fact in the past two years have suffered some form of adversity. COVID hit this nation really, really hard. Everybody here has lost someone, suffered from sickness, lost jobs, not been able to come to the church house. All those things are adversity. But I've got a few points that the Lord's given me. Understand something when I say I, it's never I. I don't want y'all to hear from Eli today. I want y'all to hear from the throne room. I want y'all to hear from God himself out of his word. But I want to see if I can encourage you, but also challenge you to see successes through adversities. Because so many people that are successful in life I'm reading a book right now that literally is based on successful people and, and becoming successful. All of them have failed at some point in their life. One of them, and then we'll get to the, to the good stuff. We'll get to the good. You'll stop hearing my voice for a second and listen to his voice. A story that I just read this morning. Can't remember where he was from, but his family came over and he worked for a little hardware store. I want to say it was up in the Northeast. He got fired from his job. And instead of using that and giving up like most people would, he decided that he was going to start his own business, got a hold of someone. I think y'all might know him. Uh, I think it's Arthur, Arthur Blank. Isn't that the guy that owns the, in Atlanta? Got with him, right? And they opened this tiny little store called Home Depot. He got fired from a little mom and pop shop. And instead of letting that get him down, he now owns how many Home Depots? That's where I want to go. I want, I want y'all to understand 
that with God, every adversity you see can become growth. Now, we'll be in Genesis chapter 37, starting in verse 12. Very, very familiar scripture. I love when the Lord gives me a children's story and just opens my eyes to things. I really, I really do love it. <laughs> Zacchaeus is one of my big ones. I love Zacchaeus. Me and, me and Zacchaeus are about the same, same height and everything. But if you would, stand in reference to the word, if you're willing and able. And the Bible says, starting in verse 12, And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brother feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. We should all say that to God. Here am I. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it will be See whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of the, of Hebron and he came to Shechem and a certain man found him and behold, he was wandering in the field and the man asked him saying, what seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee where they feed their flocks. And the man said, they are departed hence for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now therefore and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beast hath devoured him. And we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood. But cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him that he might rid out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his, unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his body? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content. Our most gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this evening, Lord. We thank you for loving us, Father. We thank you for your blessings, Lord. We thank you for this marvelous day you've given us one more time, Lord. One more breath, Lord, to praise you. Now, Father, I pray that you would empty me of my worldly self, Lord, and fill me with the Spirit so that we can hear directly from you, Father, and shield me behind the cross. And through it all, you will gain all the glory, praise, and the honor. And it's in your most precious name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. So there's a lot... And such, so I'm going to go through, I didn't want to sit here, I would read the entire scripture to you. I really would. We would read chapter after chapter right now. I stopped there because this is just the first of many trials and adversities that Joseph had to suffer, right? But I want to look, something that really caught my eye, what's the first thing that they did whenever they got him? They stripped him of his coat. Now we all know that Joseph was his dad's favorite. And, and his coat was given him, and it was of many colors. It was very bright. As Christians, whenever I look at it, that coat is our Christianity, our joy, our faith. It should be seen from afar off. We should be happy. We should be a peculiar people. 
We should be really exuding joy. That's something I'm working on in my life that I get told quite frequently from my amazing and beautiful and wonderful wife sitting back there is that, why aren't you happy? I'm like, I am happy. She says, tell your face. And I'm like, look at this face. It's a happy face. Hallelujah. I mean, come on. Look, I, what about me doesn't exude joy and happiness? But it, it, it gets me whenever I do, we go to, so being on deputation, we go to church after church and see Christian after Christian that is just bogged down, just so unhappy, just bitter. Or you see the ones that, oh, well, you don't look like us. You don't talk like us. So you must not be one of us. Can we think for one second and then I'll get to the points. What if Jesus would have been like that? What if Jesus would have said, oh, you're not a Jew, so I can't sit with you. What if Jesus would have said, oh, you don't look like me, act like me, talk like me, so I can't sit with you. What if Jesus would have said, you know what, I'm done. Where would we all be today? Jesus wasn't like that. And it says that we are to be Christ-like, correct? Amen? That's what we should do. I never thought I'd say these words. Please don't hate me for what I'm about to say. I got taught a lot recently in an independent fundamental Baptist church in California. Yep, there it is. And there went the spirit. But I did. You know what's crazy about it? They were happy. Do a lot of... I'm just going to be blunt about everything. I loved it, had a great time. Their music, I wouldn't have in my church. I wouldn't bring here. They were King James only, and they loved on us. Just like when we came in today, other than the fact that you know my family and they're cute. But y'all loved on us. We don't see that. And as Christians, that what we, that's, what we should, that's what we should be doing. The world is trying to strip of, strip us of our coat of many colors. They are. It's what they're doing. Every, how many times have you gotten on the news and seen happiness? I don't watch the news, so I don't know. Is there happiness in the news? I don't, I don't Happiness in the news. Amen. I like it. Yeah, you, what news are you watching? But <laughs> I love kids. Let him go. Hallelujah. But it kills me. Something that I did get to see, a friend of mine, go. he does something called Seed for the Cities. It was posted on Facebook. I normally don't bring Facebook into messages because it's usually just, uh, look what happened today. Man. In Ukraine, line of people behind this gate trying to get out of their country while it's being invaded, right? Someone took a still picture and zoomed in, and one of the gospel tracts that he had delivered was getting read. In the midst of adversity... Success is happening. In the midst of adversity, success happened. I was at my lowest point in my life, preacher. I'm about to get real transparent. Sorry, don't, don't judge me, okay? Honestly, truth be told, I was, I was literally contemplating suicide. I was. I was an addict. I drank every day. Addicted to nicotine. Every drug you could get your hands on. Until someone prayed for me and loved on me a little bit and took me to a revival that they were singing at in North Carolina. I thought I was saved at a really young age. Turns out whenever you just go down and your whole class goes down into VBS and you say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. What I've been taught my entire life. 
you're not really saved. I was, I was about to go to hell. Truth be told, that's what was going to happen. But through my adversity, the Lord had to beat me down to my lowest point to realize, guess what? There is something bigger and better out there. And his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. So, just like Joseph, we can prosper through every adverse time. We all have something that this world does not. We have the saving grace of Jesus. But you know, the, great, the best thing about it, we heard it this morning, is it's free to whosoever. It's not limited to those that are righteous. As a matter of fact, those aren't the ones that he came to save. It plainly states it in the Bible. He came to save sinners, hallelujah, because that's what we all are. I can stand behind this pulpit today and say, guess what? I still sin. I'm sorry. If that offends you, I truly do apologize. It may not be the big sins that we all classify as big sins. I don't go out murdering people, but I will tell you this much. When I go to Walmart, I think things. When I see boys looking at my daughters, I think things. That's called premeditation for anyone that wants to know. It's frowned upon. But truth be told, I wake up, Paul had to do it. Every morning I wake up, we have this awesome thing. The veil was rent when Christ gave it up, when he gave up the ghost and whenever he conquered death and hell. And was ascended. The veil was ran. I don't have to ask. I don't have to call Brother John Dale to pray for me. I've got a direct path to the throne room. I can wake up every day. Say Lord. I don't even know what my sin was yesterday. But I'm sure it was there. Will you forgive me for. I have to. I have to crucify the flesh. Every single day. No matter what I do. I can stand up here all day long. And put on my pretty suit. Let me rephrase that. I'll put on the suit. And my wife will tell me what goes with it. All right, otherwise I'd be up here looking real weird. But it wouldn't matter if I didn't have him. What Joseph went through, what many men in this Bible went through and dealt with, would have been nothing and gotten them nowhere had they not had God. Had they not had already believed on him. And honestly, one of my favorite things to say, and that I think, and that really just broke my heart, as far as soul winning goes, planning churches, our nation, as far as Murrayville, Georgia goes, we're promised something. Murrayville, Murrayville, how do y'all say it? Murrayville? Okay, you were right. I saw, as soon as I said it, I saw her face. I was like, hallelujah. But we're promised something that these faithful, you know, whenever you get into, what is it? Is it a... Give me a second, I remember Romans chapter 11, I believe. The hall of faith is what I've heard it called. Hebrews 11, what did I say, Romans? Oh, sorry. <laughs> There's my one apology. But uh, I'm just kidding. You get to the hall of faith and all these men suffered detrimental murder. They were, they were beheaded, they were stoned to death, they were put in prison. They weren't promised anything, but they were faithful to God. The, we're promised eternity through God. Through Jesus Christ. What do we suffer? How bad is our lives? We are so spoiled rotten. <laughs> I love it though. In case y'all cannot tell. I love it. But the only thing we suffer. Whenever we go to witness to people. To ask them. Before the door closes. 
is being embarrassed. And that right there, oh, what are they going to say? What if they shut their door in my face? What if he shuts their, his door in their face? Whose, whose hands are their blood on? It's going to be mine. It's going to be yours. I don't know where that came from. Hallelujah. So, where I'm going, when we, when we allow God to control our lives during the good and the bad times that we suffer, whether it be a good adversity that's like, okay, it's a little bit of a challenge, or a bad one that's just detrimental, a loss, uh, a loss of a job, a loved one, money, house, car, all these things. But when we allow God to control it, <laughs> we're granted surety. When God's in control of your life, you get surety. You're safe. Hebrews 7.22 talks about a covenant that Jesus brings. That Jesus brought. Surety. Here's the definition of surety as far as Hebrews 7.22 goes. Because it says the word surety in that verse. It says, in him we have the assurance that all its provisions will be fully and faithfully carried out. That's that covenant that he made with us. All the provisions that we're promised, everything that's promised will be carried out because our God is an absolute God. He knows what he says. He knows what he was going to say and what he was going to do before the world was even created. We see surety through his promises. This is one of my favorite things. Everywhere I've looked in this Bible, which is the King James Version Bible, amen, the infallible word of God. This was spoke by God to choice men to write down, to be printed, for us to read, to continue hearing from him. Nothing should be added to it or taken out of it. But I haven't seen anywhere when God's promising or talking to one of his men or anyone at all where he's like, if you'll do this, I, eh, I might do it. I might grant you this. I, I might get you through it. Everywhere I've looked, he says, I will. Because those are his promises. And he is a God of absolutes. We as humans cannot speak in absolutes because we are sinners, because we are flesh. We mess up. God doesn't mess up. God did not mess up in the beginning. God did not mess up yesterday. <laughs> Sorry for what I'm about to say, okay? God did not mess up when Joe Biden got elected. God did not mess up when COVID hit. God knew what he was doing. And guess what? We all made it through, didn't we? We're making it through the gas price crisis. Amen. I was literally about to put on my Facebook. Here we go. Twice Facebook's been referenced. Wow. Saw so many people talking about gas. And I wanted to post, if we cared as much about souls as we cared about the prices of gas, imagine where this world would be. I didn't post it because you know how that would have went. But we are. We have surety through his promises. We have surety in his present, in his presence. Like I said, I was at the lowest point in my life. <laughs> when I was sleeping in my Jeep in Walmart's parking lot in Gainesville, Georgia. Amen. Yeah, real low. You don't get much lower than that. I thought I had nothing. Thought I had no one. But now, no matter what situation I put we, but I find myself in, that you find yourself in, <laughs> we can always find some form of calm, happiness, or peace, or love, or joy. Because as the Bible says, there's one 
that sticketh closer than a brother. One that once you accept him into your heart never goes anywhere. One that through it all stays with you. One that will go before you. And one that will go with you. Isn't that amazing that we serve a God that not only goes with you, but he's already there. How amazing is that? So many people are worried about the storm. He's already on the other side. In all the gospels, when they're talking about the storm and the ship, amen, I'm, I'm a paraphraser. I can go and flip and quote if y'all want me to, but I'm a paraphraser. I like it. He didn't tell his disciples to get into the ship and you might make it to the other side. He said, get into the ship and go ye to the other side. He knew they were going to make it. Because he knows that we're going to make it through our storm. He knew they were going to make it. He knew David was going to make it through every storm. He knows what we're going through. Uh, can I remind you all, no matter how bad you think your life is, he's there. And he knows. There's always someone that knows and cares and loves you. Even when you think there's not. And if you're not saved. And you think you're alone. I urge you to understand you're not alone. He knows you. He knows all of us by name. He knows how many hairs you do or don't have on your head. <laughs> Amen. But he, you still have hair on your head. Hallelujah. But he does. He knows everything. It's, we serve such an amazing God. I don't understand why we walk around as Christians and we're like well it's Monday well I have to work overtime did you get off Wednesday in time to go to church hallelujah did you make it to your job on Monday without an accident hallelujah did you make it your entire day at work you know the cool signs that every job has now we've been this many days without an accident it's not because of the security plan they've got in place. It's because of the security plan he's got in place. That's why it's accident free. It's got nothing to do with us. Third, so, third, as far as surety goes, we get surety in his power. The power that God brings. We serve the God that had the power to create the earth. You don't get much more powerful than that. And then let's take it a step further. When you get saved, you have access to that power. You think Moses himself could have stuck his staff out and said, no. Moses would have been there looking like a fool. Huh. But no, he had the power of God in his life. You have the power of God in your life. Don't think that because you're not a preacher that you don't have the power of God on your life. Amen. I've heard the Vickers family sing. They have the power of God in their lives. I've heard Brother John Dell preach before I've ever met him because my family has his CDs in the van. Put me under conviction in a Chrysler town and country. I said, I got to meet this guy. He is amazing got the power of God on him but understand there's not one person in this building more important than the other person y'all all make this work together that's another great thing about being with the Lord Jesus Christ and in his family 
is that when you are going through an adversity, you've got his power and everybody else. They come together to boost you. Anytime something bad in your life is happening, I would willing to bet every last penny that I've got. I'm not going to say hundreds or thousands because, you know, penny I've got that everybody in here would pray for you. There is so much power in prayer. You know how I know? Because I'm standing here. You know how I know? Because I just got to watch my family get up and sing. Because they've been prayed for. Because they pray for me. Because y'all's pastor prays for you. Because Brother Warren Vickers prays for you. Because everybody in this room prays for each other. And guess what that does? It increases their power because it's increasing their relationship with God. It increases your power because the prayers are reaching and he's going to lift you up. Then guess what? Through that adversity, everybody's power comes up. Then you come together on Sunday and it gets on fire and you got to buy new pews because everyone's running them. Amen. The power of God cannot be beaten. You know how I know? I saw it at the power, or I heard it at the power of two last year. I'm sure y'all have heard of that meeting. Young preacher, can't remember his name. Don't get mad at me. Young preacher, well, he might be older than me. He looked young, aged well. I did not. He stands up in front of all these men of God, all these pastors, and he's like, I'm going to sum up revelations in two words. I said, no, don't do it. And then he said, Jesus wins, and it erupted. I said, you're right. You win that battle. But the power of God is from Genesis to Revelation. All of it. And you know what I love even more about it? Is it's all true. So many people have tried so hard to prove Jesus wrong that they become Christians because you can't prove him wrong. All you can do is add more to his proving of being here. And if there's proof of him being here once, and there's proof of him being here in the Bible... Doesn't that mean that there's proof of him coming back? Huh. But our God's not powerful, right? That's what the world wants to tell us. The world's like, oh man, he's smiling. Let's go over and take off a little strip of that color off his coat. Let's go. No, don't let him happen. Two, we see when you let God take control of your life, we're granted strength which in case y'all haven't realized, I just covered. But we're going farther into it. Hallelujah. We get strength by his leadership. Have any of y'all, has anyone ever been in the military in this room? Hallelujah. You understand that you're as strong as your weakest link. But if you've got a strong leader, kind of picks up that weakest link, right? Kind of boosts them up. Kind of, you know, <laughs> grant some surety. And brings them power, gets them up, lifts them up a little bit. God does the same thing in our lives. When we're at our low spots, when we feel like, man, we're going to go to church, we're going to hinder the spirit. God grants you strength because he's your leader. If you follow him to church, he goes with you. If you follow his will for your life, he goes with you. If it's not his will for your life, do not go. If it is your, his will for your life, and you follow him and you listen to him and do not let man tell you what to do. Do not let any news channel you watch tell you what to do. 
Don't let Facebook, whatever, all the 928,000 social medias out there, what to do. And I urge you, you see, this is new to me. That's why you saw me fiddling with it because I still don't know it. I urge you to get into your Bible. Not your tablet Bible. Your Bible and read and see the strength that he can give you if you'll let him lead your life. Now, a lot of people are like, oh, well, I don't, I'm the leader of my life. I'm the head of my household. Yeah, but he's the head of the church. And if you're saved, you're part of the church. You do not go against the head. Hallelujah. There's my one unhappy point. Do not go against the head of your church. Whether Jesus is the head, you're not going to go against Jesus. Don't go against Pastor Dell. Hallelujah. There you go. Chain of command. Woo. But then... <laughs> Sorry, I'm weird. But think about it. David wasn't strong in the beginning. David was a little ruddy boy. Small little, this itty bitty. Hallelujah. About the size of the little boy that was up here singing. But he slew a lion. And a bear. And some giants. If I'm willing to bet, so I've been doing some studying on David just because I really like David. You know, David's crazy. He really is. Picked up five stones. If you read later, Goliath had four sons. I only know of Goliath being hit in the head with that. I feel like Goliath's sons were like, all right, <laughs> you win. But I don't know. I haven't, I haven't dabbled enough into that, but. But David wasn't strong. God was strong. Gideon, one of my favorites, he started with 120,000. And the Lord said, nope, send him home. Once again, paraphrasing, it's not in this Bible. It might be in one of the perversions, but it's not in this one. <laughs> Dwindled it all the way down to 300. Kind of happens in our life, right? We've got a lot. And then the Lord's like, meh, nah, maybe need to get rid of a little bit. Maybe a greatest story that I can give example in my life. Mm, my beautiful wife lets me do what I want from time to time. Had a nice jacked up truck. Went to drive it to work. The drive shaft fell out. Here's your first sign, right? Probably not God's will for your life. Get everything fixed. Go down to Lake City for a meeting. <laughs> we get back. Had just surrendered my call, submitted my call to the mission field. Got my truck with the new transmission, new U-joints, new transfer case. Oh, I go and pick it up. I drive it home. It drives like a brand new truck. I said, whoo! I get home. I sit in the, in, the, in the driveway. I go inside. I start reading. Something doesn't feel right. I go outside. I'll look at that beautiful truck. I'll look at that beautiful sky. <laughs> I'll look at that beautiful truck. Sky, this happens for a minute. God said, you're going on the mission field. You really need a truck to get six miles to the gallon. I said, nope, guess we're selling the truck. I drove it twice. Once home, once home. That is it. God said, not for you. Get rid of it. 
Hallelujah. He did the same thing with Gideon with all his men. You know why? He did it with Gideon because he wanted the glory. He did it with me because he wanted to see that what I want sometimes in life, whenever he gives you an abundance and he shows you he can provide like he does so frequently in each one of our lives, he says, you know, sometimes a little extra that you think you deserve isn't right for you. And if you follow his leadership and get rid of it when he says to, it'll be worth your while because he will bless and he will just continue giving and just giving and just, I urge you to be a go-giver. Oh man, no one got excited about that. Be a go-giver. You may not have much financially to give, but pour out your wisdom, pour out your love, pour out what you can on everybody else before the door gets shut. That's what his leadership wants us to do. I was using those references to let you know that we are not strong enough to do anything. I could give example after example. I'm just going to say I like to work out. I could not lift the weights that I lift if I didn't know where my strength came from and who's leading me through it all. Because once you let the secular overtake the spiritual, and I know I, I understand the word spiritual, but just understand where I'm going with this. He will take the secular away to get back with him because that's the kind of leader he is. He will give and give and give until you forget who gave. Then he will take to remind you who gave. We're not strong. God is. Hallelujah. And guess what? Even better, he loves you. Next point. We get strength by his love. This one hurts. This one gets a lot of people. The love of God is greater than anything we could fathom as humans. I know I sound real scientific as humans. But think about it. You all love your children. Imagine losing a child. If you've lost a child, my condolences. But think about it. But he willingly gave, understand, willingly gave his only child for you and I. Isn't he worth it? Isn't he worth following through the hard times when we think no one's there? Isn't it worth being like Job? Isn't it worth being like all the men that were beaten and trodden and just down in life to think, Man, things are getting rough, but I still have my family. I still have my church. I still have my life. It may not be the way I wanted it to turn out, but if it's the way he wanted it to turn out, it should be enough. It should be enough for you to want to run the pews, for you to want to go, I reference this place a lot because it's horrible, want to go to Walmart and talk about Jesus, to want to go and get more people to heaven. We shouldn't look like we're upset. We shouldn't look like the rest of the world. When people see you, do they see you from afar? Is your love and joy for God exuding a coat of many colors to where people are like, man, there's something about that person before you even walk in the door? Can I tell you right now? You can. You can have that. So easy. Get rid of self and get a hold of God. 
and you can have it. I know. Look how happy I am. Happy face. This used to be my happy face. Happy face. Hallelujah. Because I'm not oblivious to the love that God has bestowed in my life. For the love that he could take someone from the guttermost and promise them the uttermost. What is there? The in-between should be so much fun. I was nervous as all get out when I left here this morning. I said, oh, doctor. Condell asked me to pray. Oh, goodness. Then I got home and I remembered, this is fun. I'm allowed to have fun in Christ. I'm allowed to enjoy my time with Jesus. If you're not enjoying it, I apologize to you, but get a hold of it because it is a blast. It is so much fun living for God. I lived for the world. Do you know how much fun it was living in Walmart's parking lot? Zero percent fun. You know how fun it is driving across America 34 hours with a family of seven, three of which are teenage girls? A hundred percent fun because it's for God. Are there times that I think, you sure you're in this? Yes. I have three teenage daughters. Yes, I think that. But then he does what he does best. He's like, now this is just how I portray God and Jesus sitting on the thrones, right? God, Jesus at his right hand. I feel like God's like, oh, did you hear what Eli just said? Watch this. Then he does something amazing. And I'm like, whoa, that was great. I want some more of that. I want as much more of God as I can get. I don't care about the things of this world. I could have to sell my suits. And if Brother Dale would let me come in here preaching in less than a suit, I'll find a tie. Hallelujah. People want to get rid of ties. I will call. We live stream. I'll call Brother Mark Wheeler. I'm sure he'll give me a tie. I really know his love for ties. Hallelujah. We've all had it bad. Everybody's had times in their life where you want to give up. Saved, not saved. Good days, bad days. It happens. All of those things, the bad days can turn into great stories and great memories if you'll let God have it. Now here's the wrapped up conclusion of Joseph's entire adversity. He was sold into slavery. We just, we read that. By his brothers, hallelujah, Jesus is not going to sell you into slavery. There's one person that wouldn't sell you. Hallelujah. Then, in slavery, we all know he was tempted by his master's wife, but because he had God, and he knew what God would have him do, he didn't do what that lady wanted, and he got thrown into prison for it. Isn't that great? Because nowadays, you get thrown into prison for doing what's wrong, but back then, you got thrown into prison for doing what's right. I've read a lot of it. It happens quite often, actually. He's in prison. The, the Pharaoh's cupbearer is in prison with him. Y'all know the story. 
Jesus, the Lord, God. <laughs> yes, I just did the entire Holy Trinity in one with mumbling. Hallelujah. But <laughs> he got to, to see a, a, a vision and interpret it for the cupbearer that got him out of prison. Joseph had one request. Don't forget me when you get out. Basically had enough faith knowing God gave me this interpretation for a reason. He's going to use it. If you're having visions, go see a doctor. Joseph had visions for God's benefit, for his benefit through God. Cupbearer gets out, you're thinking, man, he's going to go and tell Pharaoh what happened. Things are going to be phenomenal. I'm going to get out. Joseph sat in prison for two years. <laughs> two. Could we sit in prison for two years right now and still have as much faith and as much joy in the Lord as Joseph did? I hope to say that we could. I really do. I don't know if I could. I'm flesh. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if I could. But then the Pharaoh needed a dream interpreted. Cupbearer's like, oh, I know a guy. He's still in prison because I forgot about him. Hallelujah. I told him I wasn't going to, but I forgot about him. Goes and gets him. Joseph ends up becoming second in command. <laughs> hmm. What was the point that I wanted to hit on? Success through adversity? I think that might be pretty successful through adversity, right? He went from being sold into slavery to being second in command of the most powerful nation at the time. That's pretty successful, if I do say so myself. I don't know. I've never been. I've been to a lot of places. I haven't been to Egypt. I don't know. But think about it. And then on top of that, he got to help save and acquire food for the famine of the dream that he interpreted. Oh, and then the big one. Here's the big thing. Could we do what Joseph did? Because we love God as much as Joseph loved God and as much as he grew through all the adversity. When your family that sold you into slavery comes up begging for food, could you love on them the way that Joseph did? Here's the crazy part about it, is that's what Jesus and God did for us. Jesus died for us. And when we were born, we went astray. We were the one out of the 99. We were that one coin. If that right there is not enough to just make you want to go out and tell everyone about Jesus, then, friend, I ask you, please come to the altar, and I'll pray with you. There is so much that we can learn about ourselves and about who we truly serve during the adverse times in our lives. Am I saying it's going to be easy? Absolutely not. Not at all. I'm sure what Joseph went through wasn't easy. I'm sure what Paul endured wasn't easy. Let's be real. We all know what Jesus endured was not easy. Jesus knew what was coming. A lot of us don't. But he does. Through giving God every issue during any... I don't... Every little issue that brings you even a, a smidgen down from your happiness and joy, I urge you to pray. Because once you pray and God can hear directly from you, 
And he can take that. And he can use that in a way that not only glorifies him, but grows you. Don't let this world beat you down and steal your coat of many colors and throw you into a pit and hide you. Let your light of love and joy shine bright. Don't ever let this world tell you that the God we serve can't do it. Because this right here is proof that we serve of God of impossibles and turns them possible really fast. Last thing, just to show y'all proof, he took an old homeless drug addict and turned him into a missionary preacher. He can take absolutely nothing and turn it into something for his benefit. I don't want anything out of this other than to see people go to heaven. Understand that. That's my heart. My heart is to go to New Mexico, plant a church, and see souls saved before that door gets shut. I can't tell you how much I thank that. Thank you for that message this morning. It hit me so hard. I, was, I literally thought I was about to have a fit. That's what we're called to do, everyone. That should make you the happiest person on the planet Earth, that you get to go and be an ambassador for God. I don't care about any other company you could be an ambassador for because his business is the best business, and guess what? It's everlasting. Things are going to get tough. Give them to God and see what he can do with it. Thank you. Nicole, you got a good one. I approve. You can go ahead and take him home with you. Amen. Let's all stand. I want us to do.